This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that takes us to kind of that circle out, zoom out, big picture kind of thought, which gets us back to EB. And I think that there are a couple of things he could have done. Like, let's take what you said at face value, right? If they just execute, this is a good plan. It's it's fine. Um, you got quick game. You've got max pro. Like, you've got the stuff that you would think. To me, there are kind of... Like, go even, ahead, the inter- yeah. even, even the interception... Like I know they get a little pressure up the middle, but like that that play is open. Like that's what you right. as a I actually do think that ball gets tipped. Um, I hope the, it gets tipped. I hope yeah, it gets tipped. I think I think there's a little bit of a tip on that that slows the ball down and allows it to get picked off. But I hope still, so. like it's there. I know. And so like that's one of those things where again with Kyle, Sean, Jay, um, name your coordinator that I was with, like they'd come in on Monday and be like, look at this. And you, as an offensive player, like it's there. Like, and I didn't do what I'm supposed to do. I didn't, I didn't get the block on the defensive end, or I didn't get my hat in the right spot, or I didn't run the clear route correctly. And it's there. And so, I think that's the fresh. That offensive film was very frustrating because I think the effort was there, which is good, but the execution was was not there. Like I thought, th- I thought this is Jahan's best game that I've seen in a couple of weeks, just from a route running standpoint. You know, like he was creating separation, getting open, finding grass, running hard. And then, you know, like he has the chop on fourth down. And I'm like, what? You know, he has. And and that's the thing that's so frustrating about it. It's so frustrating. Like, it's just everyone's trying, but the execution just was lacking at key moments in the game. And and that's that's hard as a that's hard as a fan of good offensive football. And that's hard as a fan of the team. And it's hard. It's hard as a fan of the guys. Like, I'm rooting for these guys. I want yeah. them to do well. And it just just it wasn't there and i've been and again i've been in games like that i've been that guy like i think back to the um dallas cowboys game on thanksgiving in 2012 like i had i gave up a sack i had two drops on the first drive of the game and i was like oh my god and then robert bailed your butt out (laughs) yeah no it was great it was awesome so yeah who cares but thanks rg (laughs) 
but that's what I'm saying. It's like, I've, we've, we've all been there. It's just yeah. really frustrating that it seemed like it happened in this context. So, so what I was going to say is that with that being the case, right, where you're, if you're a player, you're like, damn it, like it's all there for us. And we just have to pick up this blitz. We have to make that throw. We have to make that catch. If I'm EB and I'm questioning myself, like what could I have done to help the results, right? Because right. at the end of the day, this is a results business. It's not a process business. We depend a lot of time on process because if you have a good process, and, and I'm going to use the word, if you have an optimized process, you're going to get the best results. That's the nature of, of process. Um, but if even if you have a good plan, I think sometimes you have to look and be like, why isn't this plan working? Right. And that's where that? I think in the second half, like he makes a couple of changes, a couple of tweaks, and then there's one big thing that they're not doing that I think we both agree would have been tremendously helpful. That thing is the screen game. Um, to to never weaponize the Giants' aggressiveness against them, I think, is a massive mistake because it allows it to continue to be a strength for them. You miss the opportunities for big plays, and it makes it, does, it. They never question: Should we keep coming? I mean, Wink Martindale had this incredible quote that Andrew Catalan uh, mentioned on the broadcast, which is he told the CBS crew, "We're going to pressure Sam Howell as much as is legally possible." <laughs> quote, quote unquote from Wink Martindale uh, via the CBS broadcast. And if That's I'm an offensive quote. coordinator, I go, come on, buddy. Are we just yeah. going to dump the ball up over your head and let Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, who, by the way, was a complete non-factor in the game, not his, not his fault. Um, they couldn't get him the ball. Um, you know, there's a, some check down stuff where he's open and it's probably making plays in space if Sam can get it to him, but he takes, he, he gets sacked because there's quick, quick losses, quick pressures um, and all the things that we talked about. So like, I, the, the lack of the screen game, both receiver and running back screens, tight end screens, whatever you want to run is, is to me a big miss. But I think also at some point you have to say this drop back stuff, even though it should be working is not, let's get to these rollouts. Let's get to this stuff quicker. Um, and let, you know, obviously they, they go to running the football a little bit more from under center. I think that's something we should talk about as well. But like they eventually make those changes and they start being more productive. It doesn't end in points uh, as they only wind up with seven uh, and that's on a short field. But like the last two drives are a combined 25 plays. And if those happen within the context yeah. or within, over the course of four quarters, the scoreline looks very different because the, some of those drives are going to get finished. You kick a couple of field goals. Etc. So that's that's kind of where I, I if I if I'm giving an evaluation of EB with the benefit of hindsight, the plan was way better than I thought it was. It was not optimal, and I think you know there were there were clear and easy ways to make it more optimal. Sure. And the other thing I want to point out is there was a bunch of penalties in this game that kind of yes. derailed offensive drives too. Yes. So that was another factor. Um, and let's so let's 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 double click on this a little bit. And this is just an interesting thought experiment for me because, like, I'm always like, yeah, that makes sense. Run screens, and you know, it, but why not? Why didn't they do it? And one of sure. the things that comes to mind, um, just having dealt with different offensive personnel and and kind of game planning for a quarterback at the high school level, is if you're bringing a ton of pressure with a short quarterback, screens can sometimes not be great because they can't see the throw. So that right. would be one thing that maybe he was concerned about potentially is that like we want to run more screens, but if we're getting in these, you know, six man overload pressures and the backs getting to that side, Sam's going to have to put air on it over the top in a guy in a back that's got man coverage and you're kind of putting the ball up for grabs. Maybe, maybe. And, and again, that's totally, that's a possible reason why they didn't want to do that. Also, 
the dropback stuff, I think, uh, especially in the first half, like there were some opportunities to get the ball down the field. Another way to get a team to stop the blitz, obviously the screen is one game, rollouts is another, but finding explosive plays. And I think yeah. that's something that was a little disappointing as I felt like there were a couple opportunities to kind of, well, I was going to ask because like Kime talked about that on his podcast and that was after they talked to Terry in the locker room. It seemed like Terry thought and and thus John thought that there were opportunities to kind of do what the, the Giants did with with Hyatt on St. Juice yeah. where it's like one, two, ball out, downfield on the go route. Like were those things called and not thrown or were they not called? Well, I look, I look at like, what was it? The third play of the game. I think we talked about it on take five. It's like, that's the one that most is most obvious to me. The sixth play of the game is yeah, when he throws it, to Jahan a short. Yes. He throws behind Jahan. Like Terry definitively wins and he wins quickly. And I don't know the read, so I can't be like, you know, that's wrong, Sam. But in that kind of zero look where everybody's manned up and there's a post safety in the middle of the field, it's like, I just want to pick my best matchup and you know maybe he felt it was Jahan and I don't fault the I don't fault the decision but I'm also like Terry's there too Terry wins yeah. quickly he wins Good versus, versus optimal and he's matched up against the nickel so it's like I understand if he's matched up against Banks who had a pretty good game and is a very physical corner on the outside but he's matched up on the nickel so like let's let's that seems like the matchup I want and maybe that's that's playing chess and, and Sam's just playing checkers right now because he's still kind of figuring stuff out but that's one that I would kind of look at. And and I and also I've never met a receiver in my whole career that doesn't want to throw the ball deep. Never in my entire life. So like every every receiver I know is like, we gotta throw the ball deep. And I understand that, but also receivers, God bless their souls, they have no <laughs> conception of like what pass protection is and how hard that is to do. So I'm also like, yeah, like let's get the ball deep. Which well, in, in is fairness to you. Terry, just to complete his comments real quick, he's talking yeah. about like these fades, right? Where it's one, yes. two, and out. And they got to it in the second half, and I'm yeah. with it. In the first half, I didn't see that, but I'm also like there were a ton of opportunities that in the context of the offense that was called that would have hit for explosive, for explosive plays um, that were not executed. And whether that was sacks or miss incomplete ball, whatever it is. So I'm also kind of like it. that's the thing that's really hard about this game also is yes there's all these solutions that could have happened but if you would have just done what you're supposed to do you're probably much more efficient offensively in the first half so that's the thing where i kind of get in between on that yes i agree with terry like you want to get him the ball more he's one of the best players on the field how can we make that happen but i'm also like if you make this block and throw this ball like that's a 25 yard gain and everyone like no one even bats an eye about the, the offensive production in the first half now you can you go back to your comments about is that optimal but I've never been <clears throat> a part of a game plan that's perfectly optimal. Like there's been 80% game plans or, sure, you know, 85% game plans. But I actually don't feel like some of those were bad looks just in watching the film, which is the thing that I kind of go back and forth on, you know, with, yeah, with, it's with hard because like it works, it works on paper. Like the question though is like, does it work in reality? Like, can your yeah. guys ultimately execute that thing that works on paper? Like you draw it up against this cover. Oh, we got the look. We got this. But if your guys can't do it, then like it doesn't really matter. And oh yeah, I'm with it's it. it's it's tough. And because as as a play caller, you want to give your guys these chances to say like, hey, I got this thing that on paper gonna kill it. If you can just if you give me this one block, we got 25 yards. And then how many times in a row? Like how many times does it take before you go, hey man, all right, uh, that guy's not gonna give me that block. I gotta go something else. I as far as Terry. Wanna- 
point out too, real quick. We'll get back to yeah. Terry. Just like as a play caller, right? I think they went they went like three and out like five times in the first half. And yeah, which I think is impossible. It, I think it can be challenging to make that adjustment to be like, oh, we are. This is not working. It's like, oh well, like I, I, if I'm the play caller, I just do what we just did. I'm like, oh, we missed the we missed the hitch. Like we'll come back to that. We got it, you know. Right, or, and hey, they we, hit the hitch on the next drive, first yeah, and ten. Like, it's literally like, the next the next drive on the other side. You're like, great, okay, and then you get, and then you're in a sequence. You're like, okay, we're going to get to this empty play, which was great all week in practice. It looked good, and we get a little bit of a mental mistake by the tackle. Maybe Bates a little long, missed the throw, and you're like, God dang it! And we're in third and six, and we have another mental mistake. So you're like, cool. Like what? What right. about like how? What am I supposed to adjust as the play caller there when? Of the th- of the four plays I just called, there were mental mistakes on three of them. It's like everything was as we thought it would be. We just didn't execute the way we wanted to. And some of those aren't even like physical losses. They're just like detailing stuff up. So, I, again, like, yes, you'd like him to make some of these adjustments earlier. You'd like him to find ways to get people the ball early. But when the game flow is like that and when there's so much stuff happening around the offense, you're kind of like – like, I'm sure they came in at halftime and said, like, we are stopping ourselves. We have everything we want. And then they made some adjustments, got to more of the sprint stuff, and they got Terry the football. So, yeah, uh, which is very important. Uh, this from Kimes' Twitter page: Since 2020, uh, these are Washington's records when Terry McLaurin has the statistical output that I'm about to read to you. When he has one or fewer catch in the f- catches in the first half, Washington is three and eleven since 2020. When he has four plus catches in the first half, they're seven seven and one. When he has two or fewer targets in the first half. Two and ten, five plus targets, eight, nine, and one, has two or three catches, 15 and 12, has three to four targets, 15 and 11. So it seems like, you know, if you force feed him, like it can get a little over the top. It, the, the, there is a bit of a curve. But if he has two to three catches on three to four targets, like that seems to be optimal Terry usage in the first half. I would still take my chances on all these five plus targets, four plus catches numbers where they're around 500. Um, but it's pretty clear, like when you don't get him involved at all, one or fewer catches, three and 11, two or fewer targets, two and 10. Like, yeah, kinda, you've got I, to find a way to get him the football because good, like, and again, I, I know you can, it's almost like the running the football stats on some level yeah. where it's like, oh, if you run the ball 25 plus times, it's like, well, yeah, teams that do that are up in the game. So they tend to rush the ball more late. But these are first half stats, and it's pretty clear that like when you get him the ball, good things happen because he makes good things happen, and he will help you win the football game. So yeah, I would I force wonder, feed him touches. I kind of wonder if that's like spuriously correlated to like offensive efficiency. You know, like if if you're sure. on the field more, he gets more touches, like he gets more opportunities. So like that's really more of an indicator of just like good offensive production as opposed right, to him making I, plays. The yeah, thing I would that just I would say that like good that, offensive production comes from getting Terry McLaurin in the football. Like so I, I, it's a chicken and egg thing, and I would say Terry is the one that comes first. So yeah, I, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. I think um, again, I, this is something that like this is where my like analytics brain goes. I'm like I would need to see more information. That stat in isolation doesn't do it for me. Like if Terry gets an explosive play in the first half, like are we more likely to win? Probably, but if anybody's gets a, a more an explosive sure. play in the first. It's just so I yes, should Terry get the ball more? He's your best player. Absolutely. I think those statistics are somewhat misleading because I do think it's it is spuriously correlated. Like if you're if you're possessing the football, converting on third down, he's gonna get more opportunities to touch the football, right? In this game, they were terrible on third down. Terrible on third. One, one for, for fifteen. 15 right? Yeah. 
you're not sustaining drives. You're not executing at a high level. Like it's hard to distribute the football in a way that's appropriate. Right. So that's kind of what I would say to that statistic. And again, I'm, I'm with you. Terry needs the ball, get the ball more, but I'm not saying just because we get Terry, the football, we're going to win games. I'm saying it's good offensive production that is supplemented by getting Terry the football and distributing the football well. Like I look at games this year that we've won and Terry hasn't been like a feature in terms of targets necessarily. It's just been good distribution of the football. Sam's been playing good point guard. So um, that's what I would say to that. And again, like, I don't know if people are going to be mad about that, but that's just my perspective. And, and I need more, I need more information to make an informed decision on that. Cause one stat like that, I'm kind of like, cool. Like, you know, it's it, it's like the rushing statistic for me. It's like, yeah, yeah. run the I ball. Mean, I, get, I get what you're saying. I just think that if you want to be more efficient, like prioritizing getting him the football, because like this is a guy that but, can create uh, no, a first down out I'll of see. a four yard hitch. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast; it's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll say this too. I've been a part of offenses, like when I was in Chicago and Alshon, Alshon Jeffrey was absent from the offense. And he was like our stud at the time. This was like, you know, 2016. He was like, he's coming off like a 1500 yard season, like baller, right? Beast. Great 50 50 guy. When he came, like that offense was clicking without him in the offense. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, we need to make sure he gets his 10 to 15 touches a game. And the offense, just stymied completely because so much of the focus was instead of being on good offensive production and distributing the football and taking advantage of what the defense was giving you was designed to force him the football. And I do think that it can go the other way. The same thing would happen with Julio when we'd prioritize get and Julio's a beast. D hops a beast, but when you prioritize it too much, it yeah. stunts the offense. And I just want to, that to me, that's what I'm, what I'm kind of pointing out here is yes, you want him involved, but you want him involved in the context of a, of a productive offense, of, of a of a diverse, well-distributed offense. And I think that's what I would push back on. It's not, if they just, if they target the ball to Terry 10 times in the first half, they're not, it doesn't mean they're going to win the football game. It's, 100%. It's and the numbers in, reflect that, you know. It's got to be in an e ecosystem of of everybody getting involved and everybody touching the football. Yeah, I mean, the, the when they're over 500 is when he's got two or three catches in the first half on three to four targets. Um, the numbers come back down a little bit if if he's got four plus catches or five plus targets, um, which obviously kind of go together. Um, but I think it's like, you know, hey, if we're going to call that wide receiver screen, we're going to call like some of these game plan touches. Let's call them to Terry. Yeah, find which a way is to not, get him the ball because he's the best guy with the ball. Which has not been a big feature of the offense. You know, it's been more like we've talked about. It. It's been more like we're calling the offense and. Um, I think they've moved Terry around the formation a little bit more and tried to find him stuff that they can do. Um, but to me, like Terry's like a true X. Like he he lacks some of the skill set that some of these other like Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill has, where like they can kind of literally put him at the slot, they can put him outside. I don't think Terry has that same exact skill set. So it might be I would I would assume it's a little bit more challenging to kind of find some of those opportunities for him. I'm not saying they can't, but I'm saying like it it that's something that kind of when I'm watching the film sticks out to me, but I agree. Terry needs the ball more. I'm with that. I just want to make it clear that it's like, it's not,
Yeah. A one Don't take one it to an extreme. Correct, yeah. correct. Um, last thing I want to talk about real quick for the offense, because um, we've gone obviously predictably long on the offense because well, there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. Um, the run game was not particularly great. Um, it actually wasn't terrible. Right. Um, but they just didn't have a lot of attempts because that's what happens in a game where you don't ever convert on third down. Um, but Chris Rodriguez was definitely their best runner. Sure. Um, I think there's questions about the blocking. It doesn't seem like they get a whole lot of movement. They're also playing a pretty good D line in terms of the interior, but yeah. the giants were giving up five, one, a carry going into this game. And I know that that's influenced heavily by the fact that they played Seattle, Miami, and San Francisco. Um, but, like what happened in the run game and and can that slash should that be a bigger part of their offense moving forward? And I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And you know this, like I come from a very specific offensive perspective when it comes to this stuff. I, when I watch well-organized, cultivated, diverse run games, like that's what I want to see. That's not how everybody runs their offensive game plan, just to be clear. <clears throat> so when I look at this, like they're running base runs, they're running Wanda, they're running duo, they're running whatever you know outside zone from the gun like that's what they're running there's not like <clears throat> they ran a little bit of counter they ran a little bit of gt the gt that got blown up in the backfield like let's talk about that for a second gt is a great play but if that backside linebacker pressures like there's nobody there for him and you're gonna have attack for loss so that's one of the negatives of running that play so um but what when you watch again kyle when you watch miami when you watch green bay any of these teams like cleveland for example they you can tell they work hard to make sure that when they call a run, that guys have good angles and lines to the second level of the double team. And I do think the offensive line does a pretty good job creating movement. The problem is like when when we're double teaming to an out leverage player, the double team's just going to be kind of mushy, right? It's just going to mush, and you're you're asking the the next double team to win demon demonstrably, but that's going to mush, right? Because of how they've aligned their front. So can I formation? Can I use receivers? Can I find ways to create angles to the second level player that are advantageous to me as, as a running back or a run game coordinator? And I think that's something that um, they don't do because of, of how the offense is cultivated, right? It's cultivated around as, as running the football as a secondary concern to throwing the football from an, and we've talked about why that from an analytics perspective, there is an advantage there. But to me, that's like what you're going to run into when you've got a guy, a group of guys like this on the offensive line, like, and you're asking them to run kind of normal runs, like without any kind of seasoning on them, like this is going to be the result nine times out of 10. Like you, you got to wor work ways to find angles and positions to the second level players. And, um, and that's not always getting done. And that's okay because that's not the priority of the offense. The priority of the offense is to throw the football. And then once you've thrown the football effectively, it opens up the run game. And then those angles become more efficient. If you have to hang your hat on it, that's going to be very, very challenging. I, I think, you know, if you don't live and die by it, like Mike Shannon used to say, if you want to run the football, you have to live and die by it. And I think there's a yeah. lot of truth to that. Uh, they are not doing that right now. The last three games, they are a league high. They're second overall this year in terms of skew um, pass run. Uh, Minnesota is the only team that passes it more. Last three, they are the league leader in that. They are passing the ball 73% of the time. It's a lot. That just seems like, and this this goes to like a larger question about how this organization has approached everything. They try, like, it, it just seems like the approach in the offseason and the approach in the regular season are two very different approaches. 
Like you come out of last off season being like, we want to run the football more. You've built a team that theoretically wants to do that with their, their personnel. And then you go hire an offensive coordinator who we both like a lot uh, in terms of what he's done um, and think it was a good hire. And it was obviously very exciting at the time. Um, people have started to sour on that because that's what happens when you're under 500. But um, you you bring in the guy that's literally the past happiest guy in the league and you ch- make a decision um, at the quarterback position, which I think a lot of people are excited about. Sam Howell, fifth round quarterback, but he's, you know, he's got this one big thing that really held him back in college, which is he takes a lot of sacks, takes a lot of pressures. You don't want to put too much on him because he's young. He's a fifth round pick. He's in, even as a first round pick, he's inexperienced. And then you go past the ball 73% of the time. And it's just, it speaks to a larger, like global level. I I, I want to say mistake, but like it, it leads you to just like zooming all the way out and asking these like global level pictures about what they're trying to do offensively and whether they have the right pieces um, in place. And that's, I, I think that you see in a game like this, why those are really valid questions with fairly unsatisfactory answers, because you've got this, this team in the giants that's ripe for the picking. They're one in five They're They haven't scored an offensive touchdown in three games. They're super pressure happy. And if you just run the football more, um, then maybe you don't expose some of the mistakes that happen and you don't have a quarterback that winds up by the third quarter looking shell-shocked. And you know uh, you don't have to have him identifying all these blitzers, but you made, you made this bed in the spring um, with decision-makings about personnel and how you want to run your offense and the things that you practice, and you just continue to do your thing. And, and it's not really, unfortunately, I think, surprising that it didn't work on Sunday, even if it was maybe a little surprising to the extreme that it didn't work, you know? <sighs> Just that kind of this global level, much, yeah. much bigger picture, much bigger than this game when you look at like that statistic. Yeah. And I think like, you know, when you're like, look at like, I think New York's a really good case study for this, right? Like they're not, yeah. they're not an uber talented football team <laughs> oh. and they don't do a ton of diverse stuff in the run game. It's more than what Washington does, obviously, but they were perfectly content with being like, we're going to put this game into four wheel drive. We're going to be very selective about when we find and take our shots and, I think with in a game like this, I think that's kind of what we were expecting them to do. You know, obviously you're not playing the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't need to put up 40. So like, can you manage the game flow in a way that allows you to be in it and competitive? And and to a large extent, the defense did a good job of, of keeping the offense in the game and special teams as well. But I just, and, and it's so easy, I think, for fans to be like, oh, you got to run the football more. Like it wasn't, I don't know, what, what was the yards per carry? Do you have that there, Craig? Uh, I think it's 4-0. Um, yeah, they they had 76 yards on 19 attempts, 4-0 per carry. Yeah, 4-0 per carry. And that, there's a scramble in there and stuff. And I, I yeah, and Sam like, had an 11-yard a... scramble. So running backs, you know, Rodriguez averaged 4-4, Robinson averaged 2-9, Gibson averaged 3-5. Yeah, so not terrible. But in some, in games like this, sometimes you got to lean into that a little bit more. And then there was a ton of penalties, which again, make it really hard to run the football and Second yeah. and 10 is a tough down and distance to be in for this offense right now. So, um, and, they, they, and I think EB was pretty good about mixing it up in terms of running on second and 10. But when you're not, when, when it's not who you are, it's, it's hard to get to it, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, and I actually think the offensive line does a good job run blocking. I think they're pretty physical. I think they get after it. They got good hat placement. They're athletic enough to get to the second level. Like there's a lot of things to like about what they do. From a run blocking standpoint, it's just, and they've busted big runs because they can get guys to the second level. They can move around a little bit. 
and and also to be fair, I, I think the running backs at times, uh, B. Rob and Gibson specifically, don't always set the front up. You know, gun runs, the timing and the positioning of that back is a little bit different than like from the dot. And I think you're seeing a little bit of kind of, you know, you could see a better efficiency from the running back in terms of maximizing what they're doing in the running game. So um, I don't know, lots of stuff like that. And it just, it's hard, it's hard to kind of say, this is who we are offensively and then shift to something else. Right. So um, as much as I want to say, like they should run the ball more, like, I just don't think they will. I don't think they're, they're built that way. And um, we'll see as the season goes on, maybe well, they find I, something. That, that's where like, I think it's interesting, right. Is from a personnel standpoint on some level, it is how they're built. Like they drafted these certain offensive linemen and whatever over the last couple of years with the idea that that's who they were going to be. And then they totally shifted. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like they had a plan with Scott Turner here and then they bring in EB and it's like, I mean, last year they, I think they ran the ball more than anybody else in the league. They were almost 50, 50 well, on the year. Well. Um, and this year they're, they're so violently the other way. And again, like to your point at the start here, right? If they just execute some pretty simple stuff, like forget, forget even executing it like a hundred percent of the mental mistakes. If they cut those in half, this is a wildly different game. Right. So it's, it's, it's within this context, but then you like zoom out even farther and you're like, okay, well, moving forward, how do they deal it? Well, one, they don't have to deal with the giants except for one more time this year. And like what Wink Martindale presents is different than everybody else. So that's helpful. Um, but also, is there a way to make life a little easier for this O-line make life a little easier for Sam? And like, what are the things this, this would be like the last question I have on the offense. Then we'll, we'll quickly dive into the defense, uh, and get out of here. But like, what are the things that are going to make Sam comfortable so that they can execute at a high level? And that, I would say, going into this game, I would have thought it was the quick game. Like, to EB's credit, yeah. you watch some of the other games where Sam's been good. If they can get a couple of quick completions and get him going, then he starts hitting stuff down the field, and, like, it, it can be pretty magical. Um, he just missed that stuff early in this game. And if you're EB, you're like, son of a gun. Like, that was the easy stuff. Now what am I supposed to do? Um, but is it getting him on the move a little bit more earlier in games. Is it letting him run the football a little bit more? Maybe. In games? like, so, you know, you talk about for you, it was like, let me get that one good block in. And then I feel like I'm in the game for him. Is it running a read option and keeping it and, you know, getting out on the edge and feeling alive, like whatever it is, EB's got to find with Sam and with Tavita, like it's not all on Eric. It's not all on Sam. It's, it's, it's on everybody to find the thing that is going to put Sam in a good spot and, and mentally and physically, able to perform and find ways to get to that early in games. And I don't think that they found that yet. Well, you mentioned comfort for Sam. I think there's games where you watch me like, man, he looks great. Like yeah. the Philly game looked awesome, you know? And I think the first half of the Eagles uh, of the Atlanta game looked yeah. great. And it's yeah. them running this offense. And I think one of the issues you see it, you used to see it with the old Indianapolis Colts when Peyton Manning was there. When you're so reliant on the quarterback position, if he's having even a slightly off day, like you're going to struggle a little bit offensively. And and I think that's kind of what you saw. Like it wasn't a terrible performance by him, but like he missed throws that he normally makes and it hurt the offense. And like ultimately that's what it comes down to. It's like you you with those incompletions, you become way less efficient offensively and then the, I think the problem is you had nothing nothing else to go to. 
Because when you're throwing the ball 70% of the time, that guy's got to make 70% of the decisions. And that was what you see with like New England or with Indianapolis. Like Tom Brady would have a bad game and Bill Belichick and and that offensive staff would be like, hey man, we're going to run the ball. And they could run the ball and they were good at running the ball. And it was part of that team's identity. And then Indianapolis would have a bad day or Peyton would have a bad day. And then Indianapolis was screwed because they couldn't do anything else, right? And so I think that's kind of what I'd point to here is they – Good teams are are more balanced because even with good quarterbacks, that position is so leveraged. Like they're going to have an off day, and you're going to need to like support them in a different way. And I feel like, to your point, this was an example where like even when Sam is good and he looks awesome, he's throwing the football well. There's going to be days like this, and you need something else to turn to to kind of to, to settle them in. And sometimes, and I think for a lot of quarterbacks, it's the running game. So, yeah, uh, that's well said. All right, uh, that's the offense. Solid 50 minutes of it. If you're not full yeah. on offense yet, uh, well, I'm sure that's uh, yeah. We Check got, out Kyle's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I do. Go yeah. listen to Cakes. We're <laughs> done with it. <laughs>